long I couldn't stand in his presence at the back. And as I was laying on the floor, he was showing me that the river is here this morning. The river is flowing through this morning and we can jump in. And I know Paul had a vision about that last week. And we can jump in. And as I was laying there, he said, the way that we immerse in it quickly is to lie. If we, as Amanda called us to, that people needed to lie down in the presence of the Lord. That's how we get totally in the presence, in his river. Totally immersed in him is if we lie down, he'll flow over us and we're totally immersed. And I was looking for scripture on the river and I came across, there's so many amazing scriptures, but I just want to share this one with you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not, and though the, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. And as we're going through this refining process as a church, as God is refining us, if we come into the river and immerse ourselves in the river, we won't be burnt as we go through the fire. So I encourage you all to just do that when you're worshiping the Lord. Lay down. I know for some of us it's not easy to get up if we do that. Lay on your bed if you have to, but lay down and soak in the presence of the Lord and be in his river and soak in his river because it's just such an amazing anointing in that place as he flows over you. Abandon yourself to him. Yes, it's about, it's about a surrender. It's about a total surrender to the work of God. Many of us have been in churches and been in the presence of God, but laying down and allowing the river of God to flow over you will change you completely, will totally change you. And so we're just going to sing that chorus one more time or a couple more times all my life, you've been faithful. And then we're going to have Apostle Di come and share the communion. So let's sing and Apostle Di, you can make your way here. All my life, you've been faithful. And lie down if you feel led. All my life, you have been faithful. Ooh. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I'm going to sing all my life you have been faithful. Thank you, Lord. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, the goodness of God. Yeah, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yeah, I will sing of the goodness of Well, good morning, church. Is 
Isn't it wonderful to be in this presence? I believe it's going to get stronger and stronger every, every, every time we come. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, it talks about time. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time uh, to mourn. And then in verse 11, it says he has made everything beautiful in its time. Uh, God has a plan in the healing process. But I just want to confirm what, what uh, Pastor Gary was saying in the, pre- in the prayer meeting. You know, that we are raising up. But we are raising up champions. And that's why uh, it's not everybody who wants to come. Because to become a champion, you know, you've got to die to self. You've got to die to a lot of stuff. But, you know, there is a time to grieve the loss of what's laid down. It's time to grieve the loss of what used to be but is no more. But, you know, we don't dwell on the past, but we visit it. We visit the past so that we can get healed, we can get delivered, and so we can be equipped to walk on in the new. And, you know, if you spend all the time dwelling on the past, uh, it's like it's not that valuable anymore because that which we're going into is far more valuable than anything that we've left behind. You know, I've been ministering and traveling the nation since 1997, and I've been in many nations. I've had a, a good innings, you know, had a wonderful time. And then I came to Calvary. Uh, I came to, sorry, I came to Refinery Fire Church. And it was like God said, you've got to lay everything down. And it was like, I can't do that. You, you know, I'm, I'm on a journey and it's working. And I laid it all down. Thank you. I think I've got some up there. I laid it all down. But you, you know what? God gave me a vision. And it was a vision of a, of a tree trunk that had gone through the fire. Most of the trees had been burned right out. But this trunk, in the middle of the ashes, grew the, it grew as proud of the new tree. And it was like he was saying, you know, for, for my thing, you don't lay down everything. Because the word of God is always good. I love to preach the word of God. But out of the ashes springs up uh, the new. And I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't enjoyed the death process in many ways. But uh, tomorrow, today for this uh, communion service, I felt to go back to basics. And going back to basics, I'm looking at Isaiah 53. And we're looking at what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And sometimes we think, I've, I've read that, I've heard messages on it. But every time there's a new revelation. And, and so it says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as if it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we didn't esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. You know, when I was director of the healing home in California, 
we had people came out uh, of uh, Hollywood. A lot, of, a lot of people got ministered to by evangelists in Hollywood Boulevard. And they had to be taken straight out of that environment and put in our healing homes. Because the prostitutes, they, were, they would have had acid thrown on them because they're not working anymore. And that happened a few times. Uh, and, and so the, the drug pushers and the drug addicts, you, you know, they had to move out of that environment. Other, otherwise, they would be killed because they knew too much. And, and in these healing homes, I found that my education, as good as it was, it wasn't enough. You know, you know we, we had to have more to be able to deal with these deep, deep issues. And, and, and so I did a whole years of study on, on this uh, verse. Uh, Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Uh, as I was researching, I found out that grief is not an emotion. It's a spirit, and it's called the spirit of infirmity. And some versions actually said, he, he bore our infirmities, carried our sorrows. But sorrow is the emotion. Uh, sorrow is the English word anguish. Uh, even saying anguish, it's kind of, ooh, you know, it's... Uh, and anguish, it means pain of soul. This is emotional pain, mental pain, even pain as we're making a choice of our will. And so as I'm looking at that, it also means strengthlessness. When we hear bad news, usually what happens, we, we lose our strength. Uh, it, it also means uh, uh, sadness. It means to be worn out. You know, when I got some bad news oh, years ago, and I heard that my daughter had had a baby who, who uh, she, she was born uh, with only half a brain, no, no ears, and she was blind. You, you, I, I'm, I'm saying that I asked God, please can you take her? Because I was thinking of how my daughter would cope with not only a deformed baby, but the one that couldn't hear, see, or anything. And uh, it, it's not an easy thing as a grandmother or a mother, you, you know, to kind of hope that God would do that. But he did. But, you know, it took a long time. I don't think my daughter ever got over the grief of, of losing her baby. And, uh, and so we look at it, and when I got the news... They said, go and tell your daughter, take your baby to her. She hasn't seen her yet. And I, and I thought, this is too much for me. You know, to actually go and show her uh, and tell her, you, you, you know, what has happened. Uh, and, and so it's like the, the, the grief, it means to extinguish the flame. And you could have a flame of love. Even when you first get saved, you can have a flame of love. But, you know, that flame uh, can be put out. And that's from one of the meanings of the word grief, to extinguish the flame. It could also happen with our first love when we first become Christians. And when, when, when we suffer loss, we go into grief. That spirit comes in us. If we don't deal with the grief, 
what will happen is that spirit of grief will then attack our emotions and attack, attack us mentally and then eventually physically. Uh, I'm not saying this because I, I learned that by reading books. I knew it because I went through it. And I, I, I met the director of a healing home with people. I thought I was bad, but my goodness, some of the people that came in, it, it, it scared a lot of people. There was this one guy, you know, he'd murdered a lot of people and molested a lot of children. I remember saying, God, I came here to minister to the victims. I realized that most of them were terrible victims, and that's why they turned to it. No, I haven't, I haven't got sympathy or let them away with anything. If anything, if anyone comes to me, you know, I, I, I will say there's no easy way out. You've got to go through it. But as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we won't fear any evil because he is with us. His rod, his staff, you, you, you know, for uh, comfort, but also for discipline. And we need discipline. We don't like it. In fact, the word says it's not pleasant at the time. But afterwards, it yields a, it yields a fruit of righteousness. And we're looking for fruit, aren't we? You know, it's one thing to have fruit and then find three months later it's gone. You know, we need good soil for the word to go into to produce good fruit and to produce champions. And as I look around, I can see that God's unpicked. He's unpicked us. And a lot of the ones that weren't meant to go that deep or go, you know, go that high, uh, they've already gone. It's sad, isn't it, when we lose people? Grief comes in when we suffer loss. But he was wounded for our transgressions. This is what he accomplished on the cross. That's our own personal sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. Many cases in Scripture, that word iniquity is talking about the iniquities of the forefathers. And they come down the family line. And people say, well, didn't Jesus accomplish that on the cross? Are you telling us that his blood is not enough? I said, no, I'm not saying that. But you know, sometimes those things come across, across the, the cross, the barrier. Because like father, like son, like mother, like daughter. And so... We often don't see the fullness. We have to go through a process of dealing with the pain, dealing with emotions, dealing with our mind. I was so traumatized for so many years that I ended up, you, you, you know, on medication that would stop me from killing myself or killing my ex-husband, whichever came first. And there are other husbands as well. You know, we can go to the very depths of a person's trauma and Jesus, he accomplished on the cross our deliverance. He accomplished everything. And then he says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. You, you know, it's like he bore our punishment. You know, after... I came to Jesus, it was like staring in front of me was all the stuff I'd done wrong. 
with our families serving Satan and me too. But the thing about it is, you know, the, there's a saying, he saves to the uttermost or the guttermost. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're in the gutter, but he raises us up. And, and then it says, and by his stripes we are healed. So he took our punishment and then he healed us. Well, that word healed, I found out, was the, the word Rapha, and that's God's name. You know, he is Jehovah Jireh, uh, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. What that means is to mend by stitching. So it's a word picture that he takes us all torn and broken, and he stitches us up. And he mends our broken hearts. You know, he mends every part of us, emotionally, mentally, uh, physically, and spiritually. And uh, I'm just coming out of my death to everything that was. It wasn't easy. But you know what? We're going to raise up champions, and you're here, and you're handpicked. So, you know, we have a choice to make, don't we? We're either going to go on to perfection, or, or, or we're going to stagnate, stay where we are, or we'll go back. But I don't think you can go back and stay here, <laughs> because we're, we're stirrers. I found out, you know, Pastor Gary's a stirrer. I'm very quiet, but I'm a stirrer too. You know, we have different personalities, and I'm an introvert. And when someone put a microphone in my hand, they said, get used to it because you're going to be doing this the rest of your life. You know, I, I've just come from a mental breakdown on medication, so I won't kill somebody. And they're saying, you know, that microphone is going to put, put in your hand and you're going to preach it in nations. Well, I just look around to see who they're talking to. It couldn't possibly be me, but I'm stood right at the back, near the back wall. I always did because I could make an escape quickly if I'm next to the back door, uh, especially when the worship's on and the Holy Spirit comes and you've got demons. <laughs> but I'm here to say that Jesus is enough. He's enough. And so when we, when, when we look at God's purpose in, in the healing process, in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, it says, Praise to the God and Father of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we in turn can comfort others with the same comfort that we have received. And, and it's just, just amazing. So I, lo I looked at the whole area of what happens when we suffer loss. The spirit of infirmity comes in, and usually the first thing we feel is fear. You, you, you know, we, then we go into denial because we don't want to admit that what has happened has happened. Many people live their lives in denial. You know, just stuff everything down and then wonder why, why, why they get broken later on in life. It, it, it brings in anger when we start seeing the reality of it and we see the injustice of it, we get angry. Do you know that every prophet got angry? Every prophet complained. They complained because of injustice. 
And you know what? He's looking for complainers that will complain about injustice, just like the prophets did. Because there's a time for that, isn't there? The other complaining, you know, which I did quite a lot of in the beginning, you know, self-pity and, you know, it's like, you don't know what I've been through, you know. I was one in sympathy. But I found out you can share without getting sympathy. You know, you know, you can share things because you're sharing about this is what Jesus did for me. This is what God can do for us. And he can do it for us today. Because I, I, I thought I had a message ready and I felt God say no and took me back to this message, back to basics. This is what he accomplished on the cross. So the next part is withdrawal. And we withdraw from life. We feel intimidated and we back off. Some of us have done that. I've done that. Sometimes it's easier to back off than to come out and say, here we are. <laughs> this is our journey. Well, I'm back, Pastor Gary, Pastor Amanda. I'm back from that. You know, grief means anxiety. It, it also means uh, uh, suicide. You know, that is Satan's highest. Suicide or homicide. And his plan works. We only have to read the papers or watch the news. I don't watch the normal news these days. It's too bad. And not a lot of truth. So grief comes when we suffer the loss of a loved one or suffer the loss of an expectation. You can have an expectation and that expectation doesn't happen and that spirit of infirmity can come in and you can get emotionally weak, physically and mentally, just the same uh, depending on what it is you've lost as when someone loses a loved one. We all have expectations in relationships. Oh, do we? You know, relationships, parents, friends, husbands, wives, children, pastors. Don't have time to go into it. But, you know, we're human beings and we make mistakes and we will betray one another, maybe share confidences. It's human nature, isn't it? But the thing about it is, is that spirit of grief, everybody has to deal with it. Because we all suffer a loss one way or another. And I just want to talk about Jeremiah, and he had to deal with it. This is the end of my message. Jeremiah 8:18. 8, and Jeremiah, he was called the weeping prophet. He said, Oh, comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not yet saved. How many of us grieve over loved ones not saved yet? He says, is there a balm in Gilead? I did a lot of study on that balm in Gilead. They're actually selling it now as, a, as a, an oil. And they're using the same, uh, the same ingredients of what they made it in those days. I remember when I first got saved, I was in a traditional church and we sang hymns. But there was one hymn that really stuck with me because I was in that mess. 
The question is, is there a bomb in Gilead? And I say, yes, there is. And the lyrics of this hymn is, there is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and deep I feel the pain. In prayers, the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. I used to love singing that, that hymn. We've given away a lot of hymns, but there are one or two that are so anointed. And I believe this one is. There is a balm in Gilead. It says, if you can't pray like Peter, if you can't be like Paul, go home and tell a neighbor that he died to save us all. Uh, uh, there is a balm in Gilead. And I really felt, you know, this morning, that it's like that balm is going to be washed over us all. Because he's touching those deep, deep areas. Now, if I was preaching a message, I'd have a healing line, but I'm doing the communion service. So shall we have the elements? You got them there? Oh, where did they go? Oh. Oh, I thought somebody had put it up there. So the communion service, we used to call it a love feast. You know, this is where we meet Jesus in a deep, meaningful way. And, and, and so he took the bread and he broke it and he said, do this in remembrance of me. So let's remember what he did. Let's remember what he's doing now and let's remember even what he's going to do in the future. You know, we're, we're moving on and, and we're moving, seeing a lot of things in the future. So let's see this together. He was broken for us. So as, as we eat, let us remember that he came to mend us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. So Holy Spirit, come in power as we share this love feast with you today. So let's remember what his blood accomplished. No guilt, no shame. You know, all we have to do is ask forgiveness. And then the blood of Jesus cleanses us. And he takes our punishment. You can't, you can't help but, well, I couldn't. You know, I couldn't help it. I said, I'm giving up my business. Yes, I was wealthy. I loved the benefits of being wealthy. But I loved the benefits of serving him better. I've been living by faith for, oh, since, uh, oh, I don't know how long. It's more than 37 years because I started my international ministry then. You know, you don't lose it as you get older. You know, my daughter said to me, Mom, what is it about retirement you don't get? You know, you, you sometimes stand for hours. You, you sometimes go overseas and you're on five trips in one, in one trip. Don't you think you should stop? 
I tried it. You know, it's uh, overrated. <laughs> There's only enough coffee you can drink and golf you can play. But there again, we're called, aren't we, to go on to perfection and also to raise up champions. So Jesus, we lift our glass to you today and we say thank you for what you accomplished on the cross. So let's drink together and remember. So Holy Spirit's going to be doing a work as we get the word. Amen. And there'll be time for ministry after Gary's message. Yes. Just a couple of um, announcements, reminders before we carry on. So uh, just wanted to remind everybody we'll be doing the Hearing the Voice of God teaching starting uh, on the 6th of May for three Friday nights, the 6th, 13th and 20th of May. And uh, you can register with, with Sally. And want to make a special announcement for next Sunday. We really want you all to be here and everyone else who's missing because it's going to be a special commissioning service. We're going to be commissioning elders in the church. We have been seeking the Lord. During Gary's fast, he was seeking the Lord in regards to this and I was as well. And the Lord has identified who will be um, joining in the leadership uh, in a in a biblical manner, which is appointment of elders. And so next Sunday morning, we will be commissioning the elders for Refinery Life Church Australia. So that's very exciting. Thank you, Gary. Amen. I might just move that so I don't spill it. Thank you, Nick. Praise the Lord. Sunday morning, who's excited? Half the church are excited, half aren't. That's right, we'll get the rest of you excited shortly. I love when Apostle Di does communion. Has anyone in, in the church this morning actually done any counselling or pastoral care with Apostle Di? So you, those that have, you know she's like the velvet brick. She's, she's known as the velvet brick. So she'll love you, but she's going to hit you at the same time. Just maybe turn me down a little bit there, please, Zane. Hallelujah. We also have one of the, um, the toughest Bible college teachers that I've ever met here this morning. Pastor Lynn's come all the way from Gainda. She's a tough Bible college teacher, I can tell you. <laughs> but we love her dearly. We love her dearly. So welcome. We also had um, Joey Heron message me just before, who some of you know. She hasn't been able to come for a few weeks. But she had someone very close to her pass away recently and she wanted us to pray for her. But you know what? I think that communion was for her. The grief that she's going through. So Joey, we're lifting you up this morning. Lifting up this morning. I've also got a stool here, so if I need to sit down, don't get cranky with me. I, um, I spent Tuesday morning in hospital. Um, the devil tried to take me out again. But all good. We're walking around this morning. Next weekend's going to be a big weekend. We're commissioning elders in the church. It's been almost four years. We're not going to tell you who they are. You'll find out next weekend, but be here because we're all going to lay hands on them. It's an important role they're, they're taking on and 
It's a difficult one for us as lead elders and pastors because it's not about us making the decisions. It's about the elders and the Lord. So as you know, our theme for this month has been recognising and responding to the living Lord. How are we going with that? Are we recognising him? Are we responding to him? So today we're going to talk about where the spirit of the Lord is. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, but there's also other things, right? Let's pray for our offering before we go any further. There's no pressure to give if you're new here, but we are a giving church. We have buckets that will come around. We've got giving boxes. If you want to give uh, electronically, you can do that as well. Just go and see Sally. Sally's our all-rounder. She does everything. You're awesome, Sally. So let's pray. If you've got your offering there, hold on to it and we'll, we'll pray. Father, as we give to your church this morning, we give in the spirit of your word that says, for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. We know exactly what Apostle Di was saying there. We gave our businesses up. We enjoyed the benefits, I can tell you. But it's so much better serving him. Lord, may your work be enriched by the gifts that enable us to give. And it's for your glory that we pray in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. Amen. What a good God we serve. For three of his angels to be at our prayer meeting yesterday morning, listening to what we're saying, listening to what we're praying. Hallelujah. Oh, I can feel it now. I've just had that same reverent fear go through my body that they're here now. They're here now. The the scripture we're going to concentrate on this morning is Acts 2, 1 to 4. It talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're approaching the day of Pentecost. In fact, the day after Pentecost, we fly out to South Korea for a week and then on to Israel. I can assure you when we come back, because I think there's about eight of us going now, When we come back from Israel, we're bringing something back with us. Acts 2.1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Hang on to that because that's something we need. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Someone said yesterday, I think it might have been Pastor Shane, we are going to feel that wind come through this building with the doors closed. Was that you, Pastor Shane? Or am I giving you credit? (laughs) Hallelujah. Who's ready for that? And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, I'm waiting for that day. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for that. And we're going to work through Acts 2, 1 to 21. I'm going to read every single scripture. Has anyone got an issue with reading 21 scriptures? Good. Because I'm doing it anyway. 
When the day, and I'm going to start at one again because I want you to get these first four verses especially. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They weren't scattered. They were all doing the same thing. They weren't saying, well, you know, I don't need the church. I have a relationship with God. That's not really going to work out on the day of Pentecost when it fully comes, is it? And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And they were filled, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared of them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then what was the crowd's response? Get ready for this because you're going to see it if you're not already seeing it. Verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Have a look at our church. Have a look around you. We're a multinational church. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Is the world a little bit confused with you? Perhaps your family's a little bit confused with you, saying, why aren't you retiring? Which bit don't you understand? <laughs> because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were amazed. They were all amazed and marvelled, saying to one another, look, are these not all who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Get ready, church. This is going to happen. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? I said this morning, when the church gets the fear of God again, the world will start to fear the church. They will start saying, whatever can this mean? Others mocking. Who's got some people that mock them? If you don't, I'll introduce you to some. You can take some of mine. Others mocking said they're full of new wine. And then Peter stands up and starts to preach with the other 11 and raises his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. We need more ministers that are going to stand up and say, heed my words. My Facebook post yesterday offended some people. You think you're going to go into the inner court and the holy place when you're one of the children playing in the outer court? It will kill you. If that offends you, sorry, get better. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It's nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's you and me. Hallelujah. Pastor Amanda's excited about that. Give me a high five, Pastor Amanda. <laughs> Everyone else will catch up shortly, I'm sure. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Have we got sons and daughters that aren't even saved? They shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. 
Your old men shall dream dreams. Come on. Come on. I mean, I'll, I'll just preach to you. <laughs> I can preach to Nick, it's okay. When we started the church, I used to preach to Pastor Amanda. She'd lead the worship and I'd preach. That was it. We can do that. And, my men's, and on my men's servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That's everyone. And they shall prophesy. I'm not talking about the rubbish prophecies we hear. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, I, I just believe this is for someone out there. If, you, if a prophecy starts like that, discount it straight away. Prophecy is direct. Someone just needs to hear this today, that's not prophecy. Someone probably does need to hear it, but that's not prophecy. If you think the Lord's telling you to prophesy, maybe just check whether that prophecy is for you first. Too many people open their mouths when they should keep them shut and start thinking about what they're, they're hearing. Verse 19, I will show wonders in heaven above. Hallelujah for that. And signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. We're going to see this in our lifetime. I absolutely believe it. Watching Pastor Chris Reed preach yesterday at the conference he's at, I'm saying to Pastor Amanda, he's been watching our messages. We've been preaching it for the last four years. It's like he condensed a lot of them. And I'm going to tell him that when I see him in Israel. And it shall come to pass that whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Come on. Acts 2 records an awesome historic event that changed the church forever. The coming of the Holy Spirit into the life of the church on the day of Pentecost. That changed the church, right? That's the day the church was really birthed. You know, the Holy Spirit's not welcome in a lot of churches. It happened just as definitely as Jesus' birth and his resurrection, and the believers were never the same. The church really became the church on that day. I don't think it's any mistake that the day after Pentecost Sunday, we're flying out of the country for a couple of weeks to go to the Holy Land. And we don't need Pentecost again. Really, just as we don't need Jesus' birth and resurrection and his death and resurrection to occur again. But we constantly need the person of Pentecost, don't we? The Holy Spirit. He needs to be in control of our lives and in control of our church. Acts 2 is a fascinating chapter of Scripture. Let me encourage everyone to read it when they get a chance. It has so much to teach us as a church, if we didn't know about the spirit of Pentecost. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is usually something spiritually special, right? We've had people walk in here before and say, who've never been before, and say, we can feel something here, we don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. When Peter turned up just over a year ago, he wandered in off the street and spent six weeks crying. He could feel it straight away. So many people have come into this church just by looking at Google and saying, Lord, show me an apostolic and prophetic church. 
and they'll travel two hours to get here. There's something special where the Spirit of the Lord is. This is the story of Acts. I hear churches praying to be an Acts church all the time, but are they ready for what that actually means? This is the story of this church through the centuries. And it's a message to us today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there are four results and I want you to get these today. These are the things that happen where the Spirit of the Lord is. And it's not people falling on the ground and flapping around like fish. That is not one of them. The first one is the presence of the Lord. There was a sudden and strange awareness on that day of supernatural happenings. They're in a building and the wind blows through and tongues of fire appear. The sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind filled the house where the the followers of Christ were waiting. What were they doing? They were waiting on Him. They were following His instructions. Wait in Jerusalem. That was the instruction, right? Some of us need to actually wait and stop doing what we're doing and just sit and wait and pray and read the Word. Let me tell you, it's good for you. I spent 40 days doing it, drinking water, relying on Him to get me through it. And Pastor Amanda will tell you, there were days when I'm saying, I don't know whether I'm going to make it to the end of the week, but taking one day at a time, waiting on Him, and then after a little while, waiting with Him. Waiting with Him. Opening the Bible and saying, Lord, put me in the picture today. And having visions of Revelation 4. When you come up here, so he's, calling, he's always calling us up. He's never calling us down. He's never calling us to the side. Come up here. Come up. And John turning around and smiling at me as if to say, hey, you're here. These are the things that we will see. They were waiting and then tongues of fire come on each of them. Not some of them, each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages that they hadn't previously learned. We've had that happen here. We've had that happen. I felt like an absolute fool about two years ago. One of our friends from Papua New Guinea walked in one day and the Lord said to me, just say what I tell you because we should only speak when spoken through, right? And for a couple of minutes I spoke in pidgin. No one understood what I said. I didn't know what I was saying, but he got it. Do you remember that day? This is what we're going to see. A very special moment in God's eternal plan was taking place on the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was entering a new temple. He was entering believers. We are the temple. Do we get that? It's not the building. It's not the Catholic church down the road. It's not even the synagogue. It surfers. We are the temple. The tabernacle was just an empty tent until Exodus 40:34. You can write that down and read it later. And then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled it. The temple of Solomon was an empty building until 1 Kings 8, 10 to 11. 
And it come to pass when the priests come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. I am so looking forward to the day when we're worshipping and I go to get up to preach and the Lord says, sit down, I've got it. I know some people will be like, yes, Pastor Gary, he's not preaching today. How good is this? I'll be saying the same thing. In the New Testament, the Lord has filled a new temple, you and me. It's not a temple of skins and tapestries or stones and ornaments, but His new temple, the church. Christ is the foundation and born again believers are the living stones. You are the living stones. It's gone deftly quiet all of a sudden. Maybe the air conditioner has gone off, that's what it is. In the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit began to indwell in all believers, just as the glory of God had filled the tabernacle and the temple with his awesome presence. Gordy, can you just flick that back on for me, please, the, the air conditioner? Oh, Nick's got it. You know the day that you were saved? Everything you need was put inside you. The Holy Spirit's already inside you. We always pray, Lord, more Holy Spirit. Give them more, give them more. It's already in you. Let it out. Let it out. Do something with it. It'd be like if Maindert had a van full of tools, which he does, but he never used them. All the tools you need are in you. Start using them. Holy Spirit indwells the church because he dwells in each believer in a personal and intimate way. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a manifestation of His power and the awareness of His holiness in relation to sin. When I walk down Narang Street where all the homeless are, many of them run away. I don't even talk to them. I've had them run across the Gold Coast Highway when it's full of traffic to get away from me. I'm not there to talk to them. I'm not there to minister to them. I just want to go to the shop. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, we see manifestations of power. This is what the mighty wind and the tongues of fire represented. It is personal to those who sense that something wonderful is happening. We could feel it yesterday at the prayer meeting, something wonderful was happening. This morning as we're praying, something wonderful was happening. And it's perplexing to many who do not know the Lord. Second thing is there's the power for evangelism. That on the day of Pentecost, it was revealed that the Holy Spirit uses and blesses two primary methods of evangelism. And it's not standing in Cavill Avenue telling everyone they're going to hell that walks past, which is what we've seen for decades in this city. The first method is personal witnessing. You will get more people saved by actually telling them your story. Now there's complaining, as Apostle Dye said. You can do that. Or there's testimony. But a testimony without the test is just moany, right? <laughs> Too many of us are just moany. So you might as well just go back to complaining. There is always a test. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me 
in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, in the Gold Coast, in Southport, in Brisbane, in Gainda, in Bowen, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 2.4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 11 then says, We hear them speaking in their own tongues the wonderful works of God. There is going to be the day when Apostle Di lands in, in Seoul and the people there to pick her up from the airport can't figure out why she's speaking Korean. But it'll happen. Your translator will be really offended because they'll have nothing to do. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. The early believers didn't receive the fullness of the Spirit to give them a spiritual uplift, which is what we go looking for, isn't it? I just want the Holy Spirit so I can feel better about myself today. Rather, they were given the fullness of the Spirit to make them powerful witnesses and equip them for service. The Holy Spirit's not here to make you happy and feel good about yourself. He's here to give you the power to witness to people and equip you for the role that you have within the body of Christ. We're all the body of Christ, but do you know that we're not all the bride? I'm going to let you dwell on that. There may be some things you need to do to become part of the bride, because I can't do them for you. Not all of us have the gift of evangelism. I do not have the gift of evangelism. But every Christian is a witness. Being filled with the Spirit precedes personal witnessing. You ever had someone come up to you, especially in Cavill Avenue, and try and witness to you? And you know they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. I remember a few years ago, Lynn's nephew, Cam, wearing surfers, we thought, let's go and have some fun. Let's go and watch these people evangelising. And we had one of them come up and try and convert us. And we let them go for about 10 minutes. They knew they weren't getting anywhere. They weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. Eventually we had to say, look, we're pastors. They just don't get it unless they're filled with the Spirit because the Lord doesn't lead you to every person that walks past you to witness to. The second method is powerful preaching. I'm saying preaching, not motivational speaking. There's a difference. Acts 2.14 refers to Peter's preaching when he stood up and raised his voice. He preached powerfully with the Spirit in control. Preaching like this leads to repentance. As Apostle Di said, I'm a stirrer. I will stir you to repentance if that's what I have to do. If I have to guilt you to repentance, I'll do that as well. Preaching like this is anointed, not annoying. It's anointed. Preaching like this is bold. You know, if everyone on the Gold Coast likes you if you're a minister, you have a problem. You're not preaching the Word of God. You're not preaching boldly if they all love you. It was once said, a church car park that's full is not full of the Spirit. Not by me, it's someone else's words, but we can think about it, can't we? Preaching like this is Christ-honouring. When we're being bold and we're preaching the Word of God, we're honouring Christ. The Holy Spirit still honours all of these methods of evangelism. 
We are called to preach the word. Let me put you on the spot. Who's witnessed to someone this week? Three people, four people, five. Wow, there's like 40 of us here. Seven. Seven out of 40. We have a problem, church, don't we? Who's read their Bible this week? That's a little bit better, but that's not everyone here, is it? We've got to start reading our Bibles, church. We've got to start praying. You want God to answer you when you're praying, but you're not reading this? It's not going to work out very well. Read your Bible and pray. Some of you need to fast. I'm not going to tell you to do it. But if the Lord's calling you to fast, don't be like I did. He told me back in November to do a 40-day fast. I said, surely you're talking to me, Lord. Brother Sadu comes, spends a couple of days with us. And then we go to Mulaney and spend some time with him. And he calls me out and says, Gary, the Lord is calling you to do a 40-day fast. I'm like, oh. So just be obedient the first time. It's a whole lot easier. Because when it happens and there's 250 other people in the room, you can't say no. The third thing is there's victory of the harvest, isn't there? That's right. Phones can ring. It's okay. We've had children run around on the stage and all sorts of things. We just continue on. The third thing is there's victory of the harvest. Pentecost was called the Feast of the Harvest. Did you know that? And celebrated the summer harvest. It's the victory of the harvest. It was on that day, recorded in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit harvested 3,000 souls. Something I told Pastor Amanda yesterday. Do you know that that number itself is significant? Because that's exactly how many were killed on the day that Moses brought the law down from Mount Sinai and found the people worshipping the golden calf. Those 3,000 that were killed in the Old Testament were replaced in the new. This is why we've got to read both. Too many people say, well, we don't need the Old Testament anymore. Well, you're not going to understand the new if you don't read it. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is the age of the Spirit we're in now. He is still harvesting souls. He's still harvesting souls today. We are still under the order of Pentecost. There's a reason that Will Graham is coming and holding a crusade in that building across the river next year. There's a reason that this church will be part of it because souls are getting harvested still. And we want to make sure they get discipled. In the 1858 revival, about 50,000 people were saved each week. 50,000! There was no YouTube. There was no Facebook. There was no speakers. 50,000 a week. Imagine that. How many people we got on the Gold Coast? 600,000, 700,000? Within the space of a couple of months, every person would be saved. You know that at least half of the population on the Gold Coast, 300,000 people profess to be Christian? Why aren't every church in the city full? Why don't we have 
you know, another thousand churches to house them. So they profess to be Christian, but are they? Through Billy Graham's ministry, 3.2 million people came to Christ. Just through his ministry, not his sons, not his grandsons. 3.2 million. That's half the population of Queensland. Half the population of Sydney. Through one ministry, because the word was preached. The harvest of the Holy Spirit is seen throughout the world. Pastor Ramel shared some photos of Brother Sadhu's meetings in the Philippines. There are thousands and thousands of ministers there. Why can't we see that in our country? And it's not entertainment based. It's not based around worship. It's based around the Spirit. It's based around strong preaching, conviction, people being challenged. If you've been sitting in this church for a year, and I haven't challenged you yet, you need to start listening to what I'm preaching. If you've been sitting here for a year and at some stage I haven't offended you and I don't do it deliberately, I haven't offended you, you need to start listening to what I'm preaching. So don't go out of my way to offend people. But the word's offensive. There's days when I read the Bible and I've read through it a few times and I open up and go, oh Lord, are you talking to me? I don't think I like that today. It hurts a little bit. Our fourth thing today, I'm doing all right. It's only just on 11 o'clock. Our fourth thing today that the Spirit brings is a pattern for doing God's work. There is a pattern for doing God's work. There is a biblical order that we need to follow. Some of you sitting here today have got that order way out of whack. And I'm not going to talk to you about it. The Spirit will convict you. The marks of a church that does the things God's way are found in Acts 2, 41 to 47. I encourage you to read it later on. But the first one is atmosphere. New believers had a fear and a reverence for the Lord. They had an awareness that God was at work. New believers this, this day don't do that, do they? They just think their life's going to be better. And then the very next week, they'll go up for the salvation call again, thinking that their life's going to get better. The day I was saved, I thought my life was going to get better. And he found me in the gutter. I still remember it. It's like Jesus had his arm around me saying, I'm not going to let you do this. I've got more for you. But you know what? I'm like, yes, the Lord loves me. Life's going to be so good. And it got worse. It got worse. Because I didn't have that reverent fear. I just wanted that hit. A lot of new believers, a lot of what we see in... <laughs> a lot of the Facebook prophets and YouTube prophets that we see are just like drug dealers handing out crack to junkies, handing out crack to Christians. Yeah. Their prophecies aren't prophecies. Yeah. I want to keep going, but I'm going to leave it there. 
You know the people I'm talking about. New believers have got to have a reverent fear for the Lord because you know, or you should know, that He can take you out like that. We've seen it in this city. At one stage over a six to 12 month period, four ministers in this city passed away. Suddenly, each and every one of them was not preaching what this book says. They were dabbling in other stuff. We've had ministers in this city caught in adultery and still ministering. There's no reverent fear there, is there? How can they lead people to the Lord? The second thing is there's activities like teaching. This is part of the order we've got to have. There's teaching. Are we a teaching church? There's something on almost every night of the week, right? There's got to be fellowship. We fellowship together. We always have morning tea after church. We had a Shabbat dinner recently. And we're not doing that because we want to be Jews. We want to teach people what it's about so they can take it home. We just celebrated Passover. We didn't celebrate Easter, did we? We celebrated Passover as a church. And we had a cedar. Again, not because we want to be Jews, but it's been happening for 2,000 something years. There's probably something in it. That's fellowship. The breaking of bread includes meals and the Lord's Supper. Every time we meet, we have communion. We don't have communion once a month or you know, when it's a special occasion. It's every time we meet. Because what did the Lord say? Every time you meet, do this in remembrance of me. It's not a religious act. We do it in remembrance of him. And we pray. That's another one of the activities. We pray. We pray for each other. Pastor Ramel said it two weeks ago. We might not always be able to pray with you, but we love you and we pray for you continually. I said it this morning during the prayer meeting, the tears that I've wept over this church and this city and this country are what's watering the seeds that have been planted before we come along. We pray for you daily, church. Sometimes it might not feel like it. Sometimes it might feel like we're a little bit cranky with you. But we have to discipline the children sometimes, right? But we're praying for you. The third thing here is we've got to have different attitudes. When the Holy Spirit's working in us, we have an attitude of generosity. And we've seen the church come together. We're a generous church. Pastor Amel and Pastor Grace have a great idea. We caught up with them through the week. And we'll share it with the church over the coming weeks about what we can do for people that are coming into our city. We're a generous church. We have a oneness of spirit. You notice a lot of people, again, a lot of these Facebook prophets come into this church and they might last one day because the spirit they bring in isn't the oneness of spirit that we have and they shoot out pretty quickly. We've actually had people walk in, turn around and walk straight out again because there's a different spirit here. We have the Holy Spirit here. A lot of what people see Let's just say at these crusades or tents, they think it's the Holy Spirit, but it's a different spirit. Does the Bible tell us that Satan can manifest 
as an angel of light. We've got to start using discernment, whether it's the Holy Spirit or something trying to copy. There's a oneness of spirit. There's a gladness. I am so happy for our church. This brings me so much pain and so much joy all at the same time. We've had everything. I used to work for the richest man in the country before he passed away. I had everything. I could pull up at the Shangri-La Hotel in Sydney or the Sheridan on the park and the concierge would run out to meet me. I had everything. We had successful businesses here in this city. We gave them all up to serve him with gladness. Sometimes we miss the benefits that come with that. But the benefits with God are so much better. Have we ever looked back, Pastor Amanda? We've got to have praise. Praise is one of the attitudes that we should have. No matter what's going in your life, praise Him. Because that might be the test so you can have the testimony. A lot of the time we get the moany. If you, if you come to me for pastoral care, I'm just going to tell you how it is black and white. And if you're just whinging and moaning, I will tell you. Di will do the same thing. She might do it a little bit softer than I do. That's why when we do pastoral care, often Amanda will come as well. Because after I beat you up, she'll give you a hug. Sometimes it's the other way around. Everyone, look at her. Sweet and mild and nice. Some people have found out that that's not really true. And I'll give you the hug. But we need to be praising Him. We need to be praising Him for everything. Even when things are tough. We should have an attitude of favour. Do you know you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God? You are the daughter or the son of the King? There's favour that comes with that. Why do you look down upon yourself? I'm not saying don't look at yourself, but understand your position. The world means nothing. Whatever they say about you means nothing. Because we're the head, not the tail. And the tail does not wag the dog. The dog wags the tail, right? We are the head. The fourth thing is there should be additions to our life. I'm going to finish up in just a second, Amanda. Sure. Yep. The fourth thing is that there should be additions in our life. He continually builds his church. He builds his church. It's not me. It's not about marketing or any of that stuff. The Lord builds his church. And as the church grows, almost four years ago, there was two of us. And then there was three of us. Then there was five of us. And then for the longest time, there was only, I don't know, Main Dirt and Susan were there. There was only like 10 or 12 of us for the longest time, wasn't there? And Shane and Cindy were there as well. I remember the days when myself and Shane used to play guitar. We'd lead worship. Be praying that we don't do that again. When Pastor Amanda said, I'm going to do a prophetic act this morning and just invite people to come and sing, I said to Pastor Shane, that's not us. <laughs> Seriously. But that's how the church started. Because no matter what, we just worship the Lord. And as the church grows, believers join together 
in a spirit of enthusiasm and excitement. Did you feel the difference this morning when you come in? Did it feel like the funeral that we had last week? Hallelujah. Something shifted through the week. And it was the elders and everyone getting together and praying that, Lord, that is not our portion. Wake up the people. Clean out the building. We felt it, right? I'm not just saying it. You're not just agreeing with me because I said it. We felt it. Last week was like a funeral. It was terrible. I don't know what happened. (laughs) Pastor Cindy said to me, did I get saved for this? I said, surely I didn't. But hallelujah, sometimes that's the test. Maybe God wanted to show us something last week. I'm probably making it sound a lot worse than what it was. But But we're all here, right? It's not the size of the church that counts. I hate going to conferences and meeting with pastors because the first thing they say to you is, how many people you got in your church? It's like, we get the Holy Spirit. Who you got? It's not the size of the church that counts, but the working of the Spirit. We see healings in this church. We see miracles in this church. We have angelic visitations in this church because the Spirit's here. So next time someone says to you, tell me about this little church you're in, say, oh, the Holy Spirit's there. He's got nowhere else to be on a Sunday. The Lord touches us. And Lord, we pray right now that you touch us with the freshness of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you work in us and through us for your glory. Whose glory? His glory. It's got nothing to do with us. We're just the conduit. We're just the the pipe that the Holy Spirit's going to run through. So, Lord, we thank you today as we worship a little bit more. We thank you, Lord, that you've been moving through this church this week. We thank you, Lord, that this coming week we will see even greater things take place. Lord, I pray that this week you touch each and every one of the elders that are to be commissioned next week. Church, pray. Pray. The reason my meniscus was torn on Tuesday, I believe, that was one of the temptations of the devil after the fast. Jesus was tempted after his fast. Pray for Pastor Len Russo, who this week, same day, tore his Achilles tendon and his calf all in one go. Satan is trying to work through the churches in this city and take people out. Pray for those that will be commissioned as elders next week because I can assure you the devil is not happy with the direction this church is heading in. And you know what? I just say, suck it up, devil. You're already defeated. So Lord, we thank you this morning again that you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords and that you've chosen us to be your sons and daughters. Use each and every one of us. Bless the church, Lord, and use them in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.